Meet at Source, your most, I guess, the Republicans podcast. My name's Nathan, your least treasonous host. My name's Andy, and I hope to dispute that. I'm also equally not treasonous. And I'm Pat, your Anarchy in the USA host. Oh, well, that's not I, I, at all. <laughs> all right, sure. The anarchist would not have done this. <laughs> so you know who else wouldn't have done it? Anti-fascists. Uh, they definitely would not have gone out there. And uh, you know what? Let's we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, welcome to a beat a dead source uh, mini episode. Um, I think we all know why we're here. Um, the president. How was how was your week? No. <laughs> God. Ah, why? What's wrong? Oh, you suck. Anyway, uh, I'm having a great week. The president. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Whew. After months of actively lying to their base and telling them that the election was stolen, uh, the president and other Republicans uh, told their supporters to rush the Capitol and, quote, have a trial by combat, end quote, according to Rudy Giuliani. And then, shockingly, what happened was their supporters went to the Capitol and were super violent. Uh, five people died, one of which was a Capitol Police officer. Um, they broke into the Capitol, and uh, it is an act of domestic terrorism. And it's 100% the fault of... Well, we can, we can split up the percentages a little bit. It's like 60% the president's fault. Well, no, wait. It's like 40% the president's fault. Maybe like 40%, 30% the Republicans' fault, Republican leadership. And then, like, the rest of it goes to the individuals? I mean, I just don't know. Like, Well, so, first of all, the way that you're initially framing it, I don't necessarily disagree, but you are framing it with bias when you say that this was a domestic terror event. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, no, it's, I, like, literally the definition of domestic terror. The the bias in this case is just simply reality. Right. It's. I mean, I I get why, if you were on the other side of this, first of all, you support domestic terrorism and go f*** yourself. But secondly, I understand how that would be your argument. Uh, and we've heard a lot of uh, terms thrown around from, like, coup, uh, treason, terrorism is the one I've been sticking with. What, what have you guys heard? I heard a lengthy interview on NPR with some experts, and what they said was probably the best thing to call it maybe not quite the most accurate but but the best way to frame this strategically i suppose is to call it an attempted coup yeah i mean i've heard insurrection i've heard coup sedition um, i've heard domestic terrorism yeah sedition none of the words are good i think all of those words apply though all of them apply and i think you know what it doesn't really matter which one you choose grab one use a different one next time because they all fit what happened? These people literally attacked the Capitol building to try to stop, I mean, an election certification to try to overthrow and block a government from happening. <laughs> they tried to stop uh, the certification of the election of Joe Biden over Donald Trump is what they tried to do. It never had a chance of actually succeeding, but no, they tried. Well, so it could have it could have gone worse, and I'm not saying that it's their saving grace that it could have gone worse. 
like they're they're just as accountable for if it had gone worse but um they they didn't successfully attack the members of congress in the congress chambers um there was the threat that that could happen um but they were able to get you know the congress people evacuated from the building but i mean it's it's a scary event that was going on it was not not business as normal yeah some of the scariest things about it are people were walking around with uh police style zip ties uh like indicating that they were planning on holding hostage members of congress if they didn't do what they wanted them to do uh at one point they were calling for uh mike pence to be hung after he said that he couldn't do what Donald Trump wanted him to do, which was declare him president and deny Biden the presidency, which is not something it's not something that the like vice president has the power to do. Right. Well, and there's a, there were at least two pipe bombs found. So let's I mean, let's go ahead and say that threat of violence line was crossed and they committed acts of violence. Well, they also, they killed a police officer, injured 12 more. They killed like three more people of their own group were killed by the crowd. Uh, the one, well, that's not true. One guy tased himself. It sounds like in the nuts until he had a heart attack. So that was uh, (laughs) funny. We're, We're not allowed to laugh at that. I specifically want to point out that his he this man was castrated to death, emasculated to death by his own toxic emas- masculinity. Right. That he was pushed to do by his god and savior Trump. I feel perfectly comfortable laughing at the, that guy's death uh, because he caused it himself. Mini fat check. Well, bad news for fans of Schadenfreude and Dark Irony. It turns out the man in question, Kevin Greeson, died outside of the Capitol building while talking on his cell phone with his wife. There's no evidence that a taser shock to any part of his body provoked his heart attack. Greeson never entered the Capitol building, and emergency personnel performed chest compressions, but were never able to revive him. Mini fact check. The one that oh man, I have so many feelings about and is uh, horrific and I cannot laugh about was the one who was trampled to death while holding the don't tread on me flag. <laughs> no, you can't laugh at it. It's I can awful. and will. It is awful. I, listen, it's dark and I don't feel any, I, I, <laughs> I don't, what am I supposed to feel bad for these people? Fair enough. They they made a choice to to aggressively attack and violently attack the government the capital of the freaking U.S. government. Yeah, they the fact that only four of them died in the process is a testament to how white they were. Well, that's that's a whole other thing that I want to get into in a second. But I do want to point out Andy is in support of trampling. That's that's uh, now his. That's what he gets to carry with him from now on. Um, the trampling host every time we introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the trampliest host. Here's the thing. Uh, yes, this happened because of white privilege. These people did not expect anything to happen. And I do not think the police were in on this in a larger sense. I do think several officers were in on it because we saw them wave the crowd in. Uh, some videos that we've seen are taken out of context. Like, for example, there's one video 
that was shown over and over again of police letting uh, people through a barricade. And what that video shows is those people letting those people into an overflow area where they were actually allowed to be in, not letting them in to get to the Capitol. But there are also videos of police waving people into the actual Capitol building. Uh, there are videos of police who seemingly open the door for a group of terrorists to just come on in and then like are like letting them go by them. Uh, there's, uh, like, there are definitely individuals on the Capitol Police that helped this happen, and they should be held account as well. I think, you know, if we're going to talk about the, the criticism that, the, that law enforcement deserves on all this, these people had been chattering about doing this for weeks yeah. on social media. It was well known that this could and probably would happen. So... The question that springs to mind is, why was there so such light security? Who would have had to call in, say, National Guard or other or additional security? Who who would have been making that the call? Mayor, the mayor of DC. And why was that not done? The mayor of DC does not have the no, power to bring in the, the National Guard. The mayor does Guard. not have the authority to bring in the National Guard. Donald Trump. Because does. it's DC, it's federal, and it is in fact Trump, and there are reports that uh, the Maryland, Maryland National Guard was trying to get in for hours before they were actually given the go-ahead. There uh, is also um, reports that Trump was giddy that his, uh, like, and I'm using that, that word as a quote, that he was, quote, giddy uh, that his supporters broke into the Capitol. So hopefully this leads to D.C. statehood because they should not be held hostage by uh by a president who clearly supports terrorism and actively uh, supported it. I mean, he initiated it, didn't just support it. He's the one who told them to do it. Right. Well, what he said was, we are going to cheer on our members of Congress and then some of the members of Congress that we would be not uh, cheering for them. So, Yeah, instead of... Us sort of like trying to quote him here. I want to drop in a fact check here. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to fact check. Okay, so the Stop the Steel rally happened over two days, the night of January 5th, 2021, and the day of January 6th, 2021. Over the course of those two days, there were many, many speakers many of them criminals who have been pardoned by Donald Trump. I don't have any interest in watching all of those speakers or pulling out audio clips from each of them, but here's a variety for you. Let's go ahead and start with Rudy Giuliani. And if we're wrong, we will be made fools of. But if we're right, a lot of them will go to jail. So... Let's have trial by combat. And here's Michael Flynn. We did not have a free, fair, and transparent vote on the 3rd of November. And the entire world knows, everybody in this country knows, who won the election on the 3rd. Who won the election on the 3rd? Donald Trump. How about Eric and Lara Trump? Doesn't matter. They can lie. They can cheat. They can steal. My father has started a movement, and this movement will never ever die. He will never die. 
Our family didn't get in this fight for just four years. We are in this fight to the bitter end. We are going to take our country back, okay? Here's Donald Trump Jr. To all of you red-blooded patriotic Americans, thank you for being in this fight with us. Thank you for standing up to the bullshit. Right? A man and, and a woman. Right? <laughs> no, yeah, I know. The people who did nothing to stop this deal. This gathering should send a message to them. This isn't their Republican Party anymore. This is Donald Trump's Republican Party. And the man you've all been waiting for, President Donald John Trump himself. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. That's what they've done and what they're doing. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. And to use a favorite term that all of you people really came up with, we will stop the steal. And we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. So if you continually lie to a group of people over the course of months and convince them that something precious has been stolen from them and then tell them to go off and do stuff to people in the Capitol building. Mm, that's not that's not good. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. With a bunch sure. of, because that's not the only thing he said. He also uh, said that uh, you you can't be weak. You have to be strong. Uh, unless you want this to happen to your We're country. going to march down Pennsylvania Avenue. He told them he was going to do it with them. And then, like, mm-hmm. he's never marched that far in his life. I don't think he would have been able to make it. <laughs> Best he can do is Lafayette Square. Right. <laughs> oh, too soon? Bare, no, it's been a while. Right. So, I mean, there is a strong parallel. I don't know if you guys are, if we're that far sure. along yet. But, I mean, there is a parallel to look at, um, you know, the BLM movement and the the shows of force that have been displayed against them and then the show of force that was on display at the capitol and there's like a mismatch there. or lack of show of force right yeah well you guys remember i know i've talked about it on the podcast before but i was a lump of goo uh emotionally earlier this year because i decided it would be a super good idea to watch I think I ended up somewhere between 500 and 600 individual videos of police brutality uh, committed against American citizens. Mm-hmm. And uh, it left me emotionally very, very dark. Uh, and I am feeling a very similar way about what we've seen happen here. Yeah, I think I commented at the time on, on Facebook, you know, what what kind of 
police reaction are we going to get? Are we going to get the George Floyd counterfeit 20 treatment or the plans to kidnap a governor treatment? And guess which one? First of all, guess which one we got? And second of all, guess which one is worse in the first place? Right. Let's not forget that a a woman got shot in the neck, preventing people from entering the the chamber. Right. And she, I will say, that woman was warned so many times, multiple times. She was warned both by police and by people who had also broken into the Capitol building and chose to jump. Like she was, she was shot as she was trying to climb through the door to the uh, congressional house uh, to the chamber. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. She was shot in the neck after hours of this protesting and pushing and pushing um, security back and, and 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 having this type of interaction. Whereas dude was shot uh, seven times in the back because. A cop thought he might have seen a knife. So, like, it sucks that she died, but she got away. She had already gotten away with how many multiple times, like, times over and over again, what any person of color might have been able to get away with. So, so the point, the point being that they were handled with kitty gloves. I, I do agree with that. I think that that's valid. And I, I don't want to say that there's, you know, there's a comparison because there's absolutely, you know, no comparison to the way that the show of force uh, towards the BLM incidents have, have been occurring right. and between the Capitol incident. Um, I mean, you're talking complete apples and oranges. And, and I think that that's valid that, you know, that they were being handled with kitty gloves and that there's a huge difference that's here. But I, w- I do want to say it's different when you're dealing with like 11,000 people. When you're dealing with a crowd that is 11,000 people outside the state Capitol, um, like, I guess you would what what would the alternative be would be like open fire on the crowd like i don't know that that is a way better solution no i think the solution would be to have a sufficient amount of force there with the sufficient amount of equipment i mean there's a great picture that's been going around hell barack obama retweeted this picture of these stormtroopers on the lincoln steps um, when the BLM uh, protests were supposed to happen, they had every single uh, police officer there. And here's here's the thing about this: geared to the teeth and with tear gas and rubber bullets, sandbags. Um, they, they were actually dispersing tear gas on the crowd. But I mean, the, there there definitely is a huge difference. There's a chasm in the difference between the police response. You know, I mean, that's clear to see. Yeah, I mean, to be fair. Uh, the police, but I think that this is more complicated. There's, there's a bunch of different things that I think were going on at the same time. Police leadership, there are rumors that they were in collusion for the coup with the president. I do think that some individuals on that police force, maybe not even like ahead of time, but just decided in the moment, like, hell yeah, Trump has a ton of support in the law enforcement uh, movement uh, and law enforcement. And so why wouldn't they help the people who were going to support them? I think this is way more complicated than we think it is. I think there's two things, though. There's no way that you can't call it a failure. And there's no way that you can't call it racist. So I think I am actually weirdly willing to give the police a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to give them no benefit of the doubt when it comes to the investigation. And I think it will come out that certain people in leadership 
are criminally negligent for what happened, I think it's going to turn out that certain officers are also criminally negligent, but that the officer pool as a whole isn't, because I just don't think you could keep that many people in on it and do such a terrible job. I think, I mean, in terms of the the law enforcement response, I think there's a lot of reasons why it was not what it should have been, and some of those reasons are definitely, I mean, linked to, like, Trump, but also to, to other high-ups who are, and race, racist motives most likely, and, and not like overtly like they weren't like oh it's white people so i don't care but they just right. don't take the threat seriously yeah can you can you guys spell out a little more explicitly to me the uh the racism angle like i think i get it but just for the benefit of it's of just kind of a sub in, in my opinion um for the most part it's it's sort of a subconscious bias and i i understand like to a certain extent how it's developed in police because they more than anyone else are exposed to constant exposure of uh you know of of cr- criminality um i i think that just as a profession they have this sort of exposure bias that creates this subconscious drift where they take any like a, a normal average threat gets increased when the person is of color and decreased when they are not. Right. So a couple of things. Uh, the threat assessment for police officers in the United States is fundamentally broken, especially in bigger cities. I think, uh, ironically, because I think small towns are generally terrible, um, but I think small town policing is way better than uh, uh, big town policing because of the way they have to use the minimal resources they have for a much bigger area. Secondly, I would say police generally see you on the worst day of your life. Unless they're pulling you over to give you tickets, they see the people that they see on the worst day that they're going to have, certainly that year, if not forever, in terms of they are responding to uh, incidents of violence or death or robbery or whatever. They're seeing these people on their worst days every time. And if you only ever interact with people who are uh, having the worst day, those people are probably not going to be in the headspace to treat you as nicely as you think you deserve, especially if you have this power imbalance dynamic where you think everyone should treat you with respect all the time, no matter how you act. Not just respect, but total deference. To to get to the heart of what I what I was trying to get you to say out loud is that the um the way that this situation was handled was governed by the fact that the writers were predominantly white. Yes. And had it been the same terrorist or criminal or whatever label you want to put on it crowd that had had black skin that was attempting in an insurrection at the Capitol, that it would, the whole situation would have been handled differently is, is the case that you are trying to make. They would, they would have been shot before they ever got to see the Capitol building, much less anything else. There's a picture from this. We need to talk about what to even call this thing, but the incident at the Capitol, there's a picture of an officer very gently pouring water into the eyes of a terrorist that had been gassed with tear gas for trying to breach the Capitol. And I can also show you a picture from one of the BLM protests 
where an officer is about three feet away from a little girl on her dad's shoulders and pointing a tear gas cannon at her face. That's the difference. Right. I'm not saying that those. I'm not saying that those aren't valid points. I'm just saying that that case needs to be made. Like that, you yeah. needed to say all that. Out no, loud absolutely. In order to, in order to bring us all on the same page, because like I, I don't take that as a given. I feel like that sort of claim needs at least a little. Support. They did things during the BLM protests that, in a war zone, would be considered atrocious, like slashing water supplies. They cross lines. They cross it. Like, picture this, right? Picture, um, say, it's a leftist radical who decided to show up armed at the Capitol to help those police defend it against these MAGA people. And suppose that person had shot and killed. How many did Rittenhouse kill? Two people? Yeah. He murdered two people? Anyway, picture that. And how would that person be then you know, treated, prosecuted, um, do you think that that person would have been able to murder multiple people and then walk back behind the police line and hold up a two to show that he got two of them and get cheers or whatever he, congratulations that he got from, uh, from the so-called police officers? Yeah, who knows? This, this is the problem with having these kinds of discussions about a, a bigger incident like this. Right now, with the amount of information we have, it's like trying to uh, look at the incident through a bunch of paper towel tubes where you can only see a little bit of the hole for like everything. And so we're starting to put it together. We're starting to see like I have four different angles of that woman being shot now. Like I have a pretty good idea of what happened to her at that moment. But there, the Capitol building is huge and there are multiple entrances and things were happening all around it and all through it and everything like that. And we... We don't really know. What we know is that at the end of the day, the number of people who were assaulted was much, 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 much lower. At least certainly the people who were assaulted by police, uh, people were assaulted by the people that they came with. But I, I think it's going to be hard to make that case in the short term. I certainly think in the long term, it's going to be easier to show exactly like, because what you use is you use statistics. You say, there are this many people there. There are this many officers. This is how many people were hurt by them. Yeah. So I think, um, it, and, and maybe this is the time to do this, especially since you're, you're talking about kind of zooming out and seeing the big picture. Um, I think we need to also have a conversation about how the Republican Party has been grooming their voting base for this for 50 plus years. Is it that old? Because, I mean, I, I feel like... The, the the Trumpism is a relatively new... So Trumpism is just the tail end of it, and I, I think it's fair to argue that it has grown this problem exponentially during the last four years, but, but this, <laughs> right. this problem dates back to... I, I, I Personally, I date it to the, the Barry Goldwater speech uh, in the 60s that we referenced on a previous episode, and where he makes the case for the Republican Party to go ahead and be comfortable being extremists. He says that it's, what do you say? It's a virtue to be radical. Don't drop your beliefs. Don't, don't, uh, right. downplay your beliefs just to compromise. Stand strong to what you really believe in. I would remind you that extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. And let me remind you also. That moderation 
in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. And since then, through the 80s and, and, and the Reagan years, through the, the Bush years, um, the Republican Party has been trending on this way as media sources diversified and it became more and more possible for Republican constituents to get all of their news from basically Republican controlled news sources. And by the way, this, yeah. yes, this does is happening on the other side too, but it is not at all symmetrical. It is not mirror. Yeah. I'm not remotely interested in having that conversation because also, no, it's not. It is, it is not like, I think, I think we're basically on the, the same page, Andy, but I think the extent to which it's happening on one side and the extent that it's happening on the other, they're not even the same ballpark. They're not playing the same game. And it's certainly not happening as a matter of course, which is the way the Republicans have, have been doing it for, I would say, 40, 50 years, whatever. But let's break it down in a really... Do you not see a parallel that in a pandemic year, when people are already jobless, they're already restless, and a year in which we've burned down literal police headquarters uh -huh. in cities, you don't see any parallel to a flare-up of violence in the state's capital. No, I don't. Those things are completely unrelated. Yeah, no, we can talk about that later, but no. No, I don't. Because I will also say those really angry protesters, urgh, like, first of all, 93% of the BLM protests were completely peaceful. So that's one thing. Secondly, it's a very small group of people that actually committed crimes. And I think those people should be prosecuted. I think they should be investigated and prosecuted. I also think when they're prosecuted, they should be probably like given a free pass. But that's just me. When they burned down that precinct, they made sure every person was out of that precinct first. They made sure to go through the precinct and make sure there wouldn't be any victims, that the only victim would be the fucking building. And I don't give a shit. Yes, burn down the building. It's a building. Mini fact check. One more thing I thought was important to point out is a man named Ivan Harrison Hunter, a Texas right-wing extremist, was ultimately arrested with the burning down of that precinct. Quote, I set fire to that precinct with the black community and, quote, my mom would call the FBI if she knew. Mini fact check. And that kind of sucks, but I don't care because they were angry because they're asking not to be murdered. Like, that's it. That's that's the goal. And so one group is asking not to be murdered and the other group has been lied to by the Republicans for four months about the election being stolen from them. And so this is on the Republican Party. It's on Ted Cruz. It's on. I, I don't even want to go through the list. The list is too long to mention. I don't know if we can get the clip of uh, of Mitt Romney yelling at Ted Cruz during this the assault during the siege the the coup attempt. We certainly can. He, uh, yeah. Is there is there an audio clip of that? Mini fact check. According to a New York Times article that will make sure it gets in the doobly doo. Although keep in mind they do have a paywall, so make sure to use that incognito mode. Quote: We do have an emergency. Bellowed a police officer with a neon sash who had appeared in the middle of the chamber. Officers and doorkeepers raced around, slamming and locking the immense wooden doors. There were panic cries for senators to move further into the room. 
Senator Mitt Romney, Republican of Utah, threw up his hands in exasperation. This is what you've gotten, guys, he yelled, referring to a dozen or so colleagues who were challenging President-elect Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s victory, which Congress was meeting to affirm. Unfortunately, there were no recordings of Romney's incredibly inconsistent conscience for us to listen to, but everybody has their breaking point. Mini Fact Check I have a lot of mixed feelings about Mitt Romney, and he's not a great guy in any way, shape, or form. But every once in a while, he does actually show yeah. a few stones, and I appreciate that. He is accidentally, yeah, he's a he's a bad guy that accidentally does something okay sometimes. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted to just respond to Pat's question. I think that there's similarities, and there, you know, we need. I think that's a good conversation to have. But to me, it boils down to two big differences. One is what Nathan pointed out of motive. The Black Lives Matter protest is what protesters and rioters even were doing that because they were getting murdered in the streets, versus these people who are just upset because they're they've been lied to and they believe the lie so the second part of my two-part thing is what the, what they get charged with when they're arrested those black lives matter protesters who burn down the precinct get charged with arson these maga are getting charged with treason or they better be they should be that would be the appropriate terrorism and terrorism right and, and and i would like to know like if there's 93 percent peaceful protests for the black lives matter movement what is the percentage of people that were yelling for the insurrectionists to stop breaking a window? What was the percentage of people who never had an interest in entering the Capitol building? I mean, so you're trying to paint with broad strokes on the side that you don't like, but you want to be very specific about the side that you do like. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Well, Pat, ask and you shall receive. According to nonprofit, the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, or ACLED, U.S. police are three times more likely to use violence against left-wing protesters than right-wing protesters. To quote from a Guardian article about it, quote, about 1.8% of peaceful left-wing protests and only half a percent of peaceful right-wing protests met with tear gas, rubber bullets, or other force from law enforcement. ACLED's data also shows that U.S. law enforcement agencies were more likely to intervene in left-wing versus right-wing protests in general and more likely to use force when they intervened. American law enforcement agencies made arrests or other interventions in 9% of the 10,863 Black Lives Matter and other left-wing protests between 1st of April 2020 and 8th January, compared with only 4% of the 2,295 right-wing protests. Half of the time, police made any intervention into left-wing protests involved using violent force. ACLED found compared to only about a third of the time for right-wing protests. Overall, 94% of the left-wing demonstrations in the past 10 months were peaceful, compared with 96% of the right-wing demonstrations, according to ACLED's most recently updated data. Kishi cautioned that the process of categorizing demonstrations as peaceful did not take into account whether demonstrators who had engaged in violence or property damage were responding to aggressive or violent behavior from the police. So yeah, that's not great. A link to the article is in the doobly-doo, and I highly recommend giving it a read. There's a lot more information than we could include here. 
Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. I think that's totally fair. I So for me, the, the other difference between the BLM movement and this movement is that Proud Boys specifically said that they were going to disguise themselves in the BLM movement and attempt to create violence and uh, law-breaking and things like that to make the BLM movement look bad. So we literally have no idea what what incidents, the very few incidents that did happen at these protests, whether they were actually members of the BLM movement or not. And like even membership in the BLM movement is really sort of sketchy. You know, you you, you don't know who it is. Anybody can say they're part of BLM. They don't have like roles, uh, voter roles or it's anything. It's not a group. But I think that anybody who was part of that group, and I said this same thing about the Charlottesville march, everybody who's in that group was marching with people who they saw, uh, who they saw were wearing Auschwitz shirts and were carrying co- Confederate flags. And the, the people who were there knew who they were marching with. And I don't think everybody in that crowd was a terrorist. What I do think is that as soon as they saw people breaking in, like as soon as they saw people like stepping a uh, foot on the Capitol, uh, it was time to turn around and go back to your f-ing hotel. Right. You're either complicit or you leave. Right. And so the people who weren't there anymore, those people, they get a pass. You shouldn't have been there in the first place, but like that is a reasonable position. You're going to a Trump rally. You decided to walk to the Capitol. You thought it was going to be peaceful. Once it wasn't, you took the f- off. Those are the people who are okay. Right. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily drawing that there is, uh, an equivalency in the righteousness of these two causes. But I think if, if there's anything that there might be a through line between that it is a pandemic year, that people are not occupied in the same way. And when you're not occupied, you are restless. I mean, this is when you've seen like a lot of historical riots come about is with like, you know, joblessness. Yeah. Absolutely. And, those people are fundamentally susceptible to, say, a cult that lies to them and tells them that they have been cheated. And that is exactly why this happened. And that is why every Republican who does not hold their leaders accountable for the lies they tell is on the hook for this. Which is to say every Republican. I mean, that's the, like it's. I I think if you don't want to, if you're a Republican and you don't want the credit for this, that's great. All you have to do is next time Ted Cruz stands up, or <laughs> here's a better example. Next time Matt Gates stands up and says like, uh, the, it was Antifa's fault. Tell him to go f- himself and vote for somebody else. That's uh, that's all you have to do. Or like say, uh, Matt Gates, why are you full of? And lying to your constituents. Can we can we dismantle the Antifa thing real quick? Because like I think. If you just let that sit out there, that that's going to start to stink up the room. Like, Antifa had nothing to do with this. And please tell me who Antifa is. It's an ideology. It's not a group. And also the FBI said, no, Matt Gates and everybody else who says this, you're full of uh, It is something that they're using after the fact to try and lie to their constituents. It would be a remarkable feat to 
infiltrate a Trump movement as an anti-member. <laughs> well, I think I I love the um the tableau of, you know, being one of these MAGA people who these fiercely loyal Trumpists who go so far as to drive down to Washington DC, go to this Trump rally and march down to the Capitol, break into the Capitol, like you're there for all of it. And then you get home that night and you hear a statement from Trump saying you know, that shouldn't have happened. We don't like that. We don't endorse that. Like, oh, yeah. you told me to. And then the next day you hear all of your other Republican, you know, congressmen saying, oh, no, no, no. Our people wouldn't do this. This is Antifa. And you're like, but right. I did it for you. I'm, I was so proud to do, like, I kind of love that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're definitely going to talk about this before the end of the episode, but. One good thing that has come out of this is terrible times for America create the absolute golden age for memes. And this is, this is, so there's a tweet from Calvin Seabrook's BLM on uh, Twitter. And he says, we did it, Antifas. We got all, we all got tattoos. We grew out neck beards, bought MAGA merch disguises, and stormed the Capitol to stop the process on an election we already won. Special thanks to White Chick's makeup crew for turning us all into dumpy-looking white men. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that that's a really easy argument to completely dismantle. Like, it's not that I have any love for, particularly for Antifa. Antifa is off doing whatever they do. I have nothing to do with them. But it, to to deflect blame away from the idea that this crowd was gathered based on a tweet, that it was a, a speech that was given and saying, like, we're going to go to the Capitol. Like, what part of that did Antifa in infiltrate? Like, the, it's just ridiculous on its face. And why would Antifa go out uh, as an anti-fascist movement? I would say I'm part of that. I, I don't like fascism. I am against it. And like, go out for a protest to support a fascist president. Like, it doesn't make sense on any level. Right. Right. So, so I mean, that argument I consider pretty completely... Yeah. I, yeah. I'm fine with us addressing it, but I really didn't even feel like we needed to. It's so <laughs> right. ridiculous. Sure. So, so, another thing that's been going around is now um, a lot of platforms are uh, deplatforming Donald Trump or other notable conservative voices. Hooray! And Parler is off of Google Play, and it's, uh, is it off of... So it's been, it's been kicked off Google Play, Apple, the Amazon uh, App Store, and they are being unhosted by Amazon Web Services, who is, like, I think the biggest, the biggest server host for websites on the planet, if I'm not mistaken. So the new thing about this is that now this is suddenly uh, censorship and f uh, a free speech issue, which I don't know if one of you would like ooh, to tackle. Ooh, ooh, uh, Can I just say, I think it absolutely is a free spe speech issue, and it is a triumph of free speech, because these organizations have chosen what they will allow on their platform and what they won't, who they will and who they won't. We were all made abundantly clear by Republicans that private companies don't have to service individuals that they don't like when that bakery would not make a gay cake. They all were fine with it then, but now, oh no, it's censorship. It is not. The president chose to make Twitter the way he gets in touch with the American people because it let him avoid the scrutiny of reporters. He didn't have to prove anything he said. He could say anything he want. 
He could incite violence. He could do whatever he wanted. So Twitter is a, uh, Twitter is exercising its free speech as is Amazon, as is Facebook. And I salute them for doing it. Donald Trump can go find his own server. He can open his own website or you know what? He lives in a house that literally has a room called the press room where a bunch of reporters just sit waiting for him to say stuff. So he could just walk over there and say whatever the f he wants. So this is such a disingenuous argument for me that I have no interest in it. Sure. So um, I actually had the, the opportunity to get into it on Facebook with one of these lunatics um, yesterday. And so... He has a, a little meme here, which has this MAGA-looking guy with a neck beard, but he's wearing a, a communism shirt. Um, and it says, um, actually, it's a private platform, so, so there's nothing wrong with a handful of private mega corporations controlling what we're allowed to talk about on the internet. <laughs> it's awesome, because, like... Do you not understand what communism is? Because... <laughs> I said, so you're arguing that private companies should not be allowed to regulate themselves and that those of us arguing that they should have control over with whom they do business are, in fact, the big government communists. Do I am I understanding that correctly? He has not <laughs> shown back up. And I don't want to say that I won, but I think I won. That's a, yeah, that's the closest you ever get to a win. If they stop responding to you, congratulations. I was just going to say real quick, maybe he learned something important about himself that day. <laughs> like maybe he actually ingested what you uh, said. His, his heart grew three sizes as soon as he read your comment. I want to talk about two, two things, if we can, before we wrap up. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the, the insidiousness of the lie. Uh, these Trump supporters have been told that they have been robbed of their votes, that the election was stolen from them. And what's the uh, what's the first question you ask when someone says something like that? Where did you hear it? What? Why? How? Exactly. You ask for evidence. So like, OK, you you heard that. Where'd you hear that from? What? Like, that's that's incredibly important because I don't want anybody's vote to be stolen. Go ahead and tell me where you heard it from. Well, you're. You're just a liberal, like, and then they just start trying to change the subject. And so this is my problem with your baseline Republicans is that I want evidence. The courts, the 60 plus courts that have thrown out these cases just wanted some evidence. Like you keep being told the same thing over and over again uh, to stop the steal. What, how was it a steal? Like every single, every single conspiracy theory that's been brought up about why the election was stolen has turned out to be false over and over and over again. It's, it's because it originates from Donald Trump. Right. That's exactly right, because what they've been grooming for years is that the media is lying. The evidence that they're presented with is a lie. Every Like, your reality, our reality, the one that we all act, live in, is a lie to them, and they cannot trust anything that they hear. So when everyone stands up and says, no, there was no evidence for fraud in this election, then yeah, that was a, that's a lie too. Of course it is. Yeah. And I, I get it. Like, you know, if you have two media companies that are at opposite realities, everything one says is completely factually in opposition to what the other says. 
you're looking for somebody, you know, somebody trustworthy. Like if only there was like one trustworthy person in the world who could guide me through this maze of disinformation that's going on. But that person is not Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that pretty, pretty much clears it up. Like I, you, you can't offer evidence uh, because it is shut down. You can't ask for evidence because then you're a, cuck or whatever somehow yeah <laughs> and so they this is the problem with a service like parlor where anyone who doesn't agree with you gets bumped off and it becomes this echo chamber that just keeps uh like getting louder and louder and louder until uh bing uh your <laughs> your recipe is done and you've got some terrorists I just want to bring up one of my favorite quotes, and I, I've brought it up on other episodes. Sam Harris quote, if someone doesn't value evidence, what evidence are you going to provide to prove that they should value it? If someone doesn't value logic, what logical argument could you provide to show the importance of logic? Absolutely. I would like to have another episode where we talk about how frustrating that is because we've been talking about, like you guys and I have been talking about in private, about how maybe we're headed to a civil war, and I've been saying... Pro probably, I don't know how you stop it at this point because you have these kind of people who won't listen to reality. Right? They they literally believe that democracy has been stolen from them. Yeah. So good things, good things that happened this week. Trump finally did concede after the Capitol storming, which I mean, a silver lining on a really cloud. Okay, but I would say that if if for months we've been worried about a civil war and there's been all this pressure building up, I'm not saying we're out of the woods yet. But if there's, you know, if there's anything positive to to come out of this week, maybe some of that pressure has been let off that we will not wind up in a full-blown civil war from this situation. If I poke a hole in that, are you going to start to bring that mock celebration music up on me again? Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> so I, he didn't even concede, though. He What he said was that a new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. And he very specifically did not admit that he actually lost the election and that by <laughs> he didn't, he didn't need to concede the, the results had been certified despite his armed insurrection on the Capitol. He didn't need to concede. Uh, he never needed to. He never needs to. It doesn't matter. But what does matter is until Trump stands up there and says, this election was legit. I lost. Biden won. Fair and square. It's over. Which is never going to happen, by the way. But until yeah, that let happens... Me, let me jump in here. No, let me jump in okay, here real quick, Andy, and say no, because uh, <laughs> there's a funny story that I heard uh, going around Parler after he did sort of concede and not concede. Uh, you know what popped up on there right away after that speech? People thought it was a deep fake. People couldn't believe that Donald Trump, who released the statement on the White House website, and it was <laughs> like in the White House that he had actually conceded the election. It wasn't able to like process in their brain. So like they've created this monster and Donald Trump can't pull it back now. It doesn't matter. He could say whatever he wanted. And they still won't accept it because it's not—it's not a possibility in their like weird worldview. And and he specifically, which is this is what I was kind of trying to say, was that he specifically won't actually say those words anyway to keep stringing them along. Absolutely, because he still wants them to donate to his like uh, stop the steal campaign so he can steal their money. So 
Two two things real quick. Uh, one thing, another piece of good news out of this week. I know I said the police earlier in this episode, but I want to absolutely salute uh, Officer Eugene Goodman. So there's a video that came out right after this happened of protesters chasing down a police officer who was uh, like going up, going backwards up some steps. And he would like he would like sort of egg them on and then they would chase him and he would egg them on and they would chase them. What he was doing is he was luring this big group of rioters away from the Senate chamber or terrorists, if you will, away from the Senate chamber and up into a room where there were other officers that could help support him. And that guy is like that. That to me is heroic. That is fantastic because these people were threatening to hurt him. That's he was luring them in. He's an African-American and he was luring them in with (laughs) like potentially like if you come this way, you can hurt me. (laughs) Like he didn't say those words, but that guy is a hero and he's an officer. So I am all in favor of good police, and I think we absolutely need them. It does feel weird to be saluting the bravery of police this year. Oh, man. But I take your point. I take your point very seriously. I would be be clear. That specific police officer, that, that one guy, for that one thing he did. Back check. Back check. Back check. And welcome back to Back Check. In the aftermath of the Capitol invasion, interviews were taken with a few of the Capitol police to see what their experience was like on that day. First up, let's listen to the experience of Daniel Hodges. You very well may have seen footage of Officer Hodges being crushed in a doorway by the terrorists trying to get into the Capitol. Just the cognitive dissonance and the um, zealotry of these people is unreal because they were waving, you know, the thin blue line flag while uh, telling us they were traitors and calling themselves patriots and, um, you know, later on beating us with the flags. We had uh, alleged veterans telling us that they fought for their country, they would never hurt us, but at the same time they were there hurting us. If it wasn't my job, I would have done that for free. You know, it it was absolutely my pleasure to crush a white nationalist insurrection <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm glad I was in a position to be able to help so it, we'll do it as many times as it takes next up we have officer Christina Lowry she was involved in holding one of the hallways that terrorists were trying to get past to breach into the Capitol they were pushing you know hitting officers they were spraying officers with bear mace. Um, with whatever they had, they were throwing metal objects. They had, you know, metal poles. You name it. They had any and everything. They were, they were, they wanted to get through. Um, and it was just chaos. It was just pure chaos. It, it was just constant. You know, you'd go back into battle, and then boom, you're shut down again. Your eyes are sealed shut, and you're like, oh, give me water. You know, I don't know if people really understand the magnitude of January 6th. Um, and I think I just. You know, bottom line is us, you know, law enforcement officers, we're human beings, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, we signed up for this and we signed up to protect, protect and serve. You know, that's, that's what we do. And that's what we were, that's what we were doing that day. And, and we weren't going to stray away from that. And lastly, we have Officer Michael Fanone, who's almost killed with his own gun by terrorists. I was the officer that I guess there was a black and white photo that was taken, uh, uh, Ironically, I was being beaten with a thin blue line flag, um, which, you know, how ironic is that? 
guys were like grabbing at my gear. I had my badge ripped off. My radio was ripped off. Um, you know, one of my ammunition magazines was stripped from my belt. And guys were trying to grab my gun and they were chanting, like, kill him with his own gun. A lot of people have asked me, you know, my thoughts on uh, the individuals in the crowd that, um, you know, that helped me uh, or, or tried to offer some assistance. Uh, and I, I think kind of the conclusion I've come to is like, you know, thank you, but f you for being there. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back Oh no, I'm going to take my interpretation of what you said and we're gonna <laughs> post it everywhere. <laughs> Nathan loves police. You had another thing? Uh, I just wanted to, once again, uh, talk about, we have never seen memes this good <laughs> in the history of the world. One of my favorites world. is the, um, the, the Joker clown and the It clown. It says 2020 showing 2021 around the workplace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we couldn't have just had just like a normal start to the year. Like I thought it was going to be just boring. Oh, the election no. was over, <laughs> you know, so everything could just go back to normal. We nope. were getting the COVID vaccine soon. Andy, at the same time as that meme you posted, you posted, well, it was a solid five days. Here's the 2022. Yeah. <laughs> just so good. So anyway, great. we'll, we can uh, link some memes in the doobly-doo this week. Thanks. Uh, I mean, thanks for talking this out with me, guys. Uh, thanks for everybody listening. Did you guys hear that uh, Donald Trump has been banned from Pornhub? <laughs> I don't know if that's real, though. I don't think that that's a, <laughs> their official Twitter because it doesn't have the blue check. Ah, uh, dang. That's the only thing that I was ready to believe if it weren't for the blue check mark. No, it's it's from Pornhub Aria. She's a Redditor and very, very funny. So I think it is true, but it genuinely doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. <laughs> anyway, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. I hope that we gave you something to not be treasonous about for a week. <laughs> Love you, bye. <laughs> All right, bye. bye. I don't have it in me this time, guys. Adios. Bye. Uh, no, I can't do it. Okay, bye. Yeah. So, Did I? who's the asshole now, huh? <laughs> mm, still you. Still you, but okay.